Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba news. Obsessed episode 145 is recorded live January 10th, 2012. 2013, darn it. Scuba Obsessed episode 145 is recorded live January 10th, 2013. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson. And I'd like to welcome my co-host for this week. We have Mac, the Dive Mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing pretty good. Glad to be here. Excellent, excellent. And we also have Jim, who you're in Ohio? I am today. Jim Schultz in Ohio. So Jim, I'll, the traveling man. He's just traveling away. And uh, if you haven't jumped into the chat room, you're missing out because we had all sorts of discussion. That's where the really good discussions happen, in the <laughs> chat room. <laughs> So what we're going to do is we're going to jump right on into the news and get that out of the way. First article up is we have a recall. And can you possibly guess what the recall is? Is it something to do with breathing air? Breathing air. That seems to be the challenge that many manufacturers are having, the same recall, uh, high-pressure scuba diving air hoses. So what they're saying is high-pressure scuba diving air hoses manufactured in Taiwan and imported by A-plus Marine Supply of Gulf Breeze, Florida. The hoses were sold at scuba diving retailers nationwide from April 2012 through June 2012 for about $34. They have a black, smooth rubber outer covering and are about 32 to 36 inches long. What happens is the hose which connects the regulator and a tank's pressure gauge can be separated, reducing the ability to supply you air. So far, three reports have, uh, three incidents have been reported, but no injuries. You can visit their website at www.aplusmarine.com, and it's a high-pressure braided safety hose. I am guessing that everybody who's done a recall on hoses in the last year and a half all came from the same manufacturer. Sage's comment is they all came out of the same plant, just rebranded. Yeah. So why... Do they have to recall them one at a time? Why can't they go and have that manufacturer do a, a recall at once? Are they, are they trying to fool us, make us think that we're too stupid to figure out that they're all using the same one if they delay it every two weeks at some oh, point? Well, if they're, if they're working with the Consumer Product Safety Commission, yeah. they all have to have their recall plans approved, their communication plans reviewed, and all kinds of stuff before they can go public with recall. Yeah. So it can cause a, actually can cause a delay um, in order to get all the approvals out. Yeah. Been there, done, been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that's got to be a ch- challenge dealing with the government red tape. So braided air hoses. Take a look. I almost wonder if, if if I I don't I don't happen to have one of these. I'm I'm too cheap to buy those expensive braided uh, air hoses like that. But it'd almost be tempting just if you've bought one within that time, calling the manufacturer up and harassing them, asking where it came from. 
Okay, next one is a horse rescued after swimming two miles into the ocean. Normally, uh, water rescues, we're not thinking about horses, but this one was way out there. A little bit of video. Uh, Did you see what kind of horse it was? Uh, I didn't see, but it says the horse was in a photo shoot in Southern California. It got spooked and ran into the water. It was only uh, to be rescued after swimming more than two miles offshore. It was a seven-year-old white Arabian. I thought it might have been a seahorse. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm just curious. <laughs> no. Well, it, it almost became a seahorse. It was uh, this Tuesday at about 6.30 p.m., and I'm assuming that specific time, the horse bolted from the beach in an area just south of Santa Barbara and ran into the ocean. The initial call was a missing horse. Then several more calls followed saying that the horse was swimming out to sea. Rescue personnel from the fire department, along with state lifeguards, took to the water to search for the horse. They launched a helicopter from the Santa Barbara County's search and rescue team. It was at that point spotted two miles offshore, and it was swimming towards an oil rig. Firefighters were able to hook the animal's reins with a boat hook and bring it alongside. And they, they call it a paddle boat, but it's a look like a Zodiac. And why would they call that a paddle boat? There's a video there you can see, and uh, who knows what this writer was thinking. It took two and a half hours to escort the horse back to dry land and into the ends of a vet. Uh, it was taken to animal clinic and then released to its owner. But... What I think happened is that's what it could see. It could see the oil rig. You know, once it gets its head in the water, it's hard to see much. So by the time it calmed down, it was heading to the only object it was able to see from the water. It had trouble climbing them ladders. <laughs> yeah, the hooves wouldn't quite fit up those rungs. Now, Jim, being on the fire department, have you have ever had that sort of rescue? Uh, we've rescued some deer from ice, but I've never rescued a horse from open water. Yeah, I, I, I've, I think we covered a rescue in mud a, a few years back, but never went out this far. Next one is a warning, free diving and scuba diving don't mix. And this is an article that was posted from freediveireland.com. And uh, what the gist of it is that they're saying that with the popularity of free diving, scuba divers have started free diving in between multiple dives. But they're actually putting themselves in situations where they can uh, get uh, the bends. They said free diving before scuba diving is fine, but not after. If we free dive after scuba diving, we are recompressing bubbles, especially in the slower release tissues. Then the ascent rate from a free dive is over the average of one meter per second. Not much chance of off, gaff, off gassing in that time frame. There are many variables that depth, time, depth on a free dive that can't be calculated safely. So they also point out that there are currently no dive tables that take into account free diving. Then next up, Patty has a blog post, and they said that uh, you can achieve your New Year's resolutions by scuba diving. Among some of the things they list are manage stress, lose weight, spend more time with family, take a trip, learn something new, and help others. So what we need to do is get this before New Year's, and then what you do is you just adopt these as your New Year's resolutions, and you just say, I'm going to go diving to achieve them. I think the one thing they don't say that mentioned is that the spending time with family, you have to convince them to go diving too for that to work. 
or buy a big boat. Yeah, that's true. We've 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 seen a few of the club members who have had a boat and had. I mean, a big boat. <laughs> oh, okay. Then you get the ladies to go. So how 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 big a boat are you talking about? <laughs> well, one you got to have a bathroom on it. Yes, that's true. And once you got that in the refrigerator, you're good. The refrigerator's the other part. Well, yeah. I mean, if you got kids on board, you got to have milk. You want to have it cooled. But the bathroom is number one. I can see that. When I bought the RV, that was one of the conditions. It had to have a bathroom. Without a bathroom, uh, that's why we bought one so big. When you get in the campers, you, you know, the pop-ups didn't necessarily have a bathroom that my wife considered an actual functioning bathroom. And then Dave in the chat room is pointing out that you need a fridge for the uh, post-dive ale. Well, if you take those big keggers, you know, they float in the water if you didn't know that. So you have it to the side, you put the buoy on it, and that serves as a good dual purpose, and it also keeps it cool. Well, so see, I, I, it, I thought you bag. bought the keg as a buoy. You just had to drain it before you were able to put it in the water and use it. Okay, we'll skip one. After reading through it, I don't I don't see there's much in it that we really want to cover. The dive operator one? No, the one with the... Uh, oh, no, the market trust for dive operators. Yeah, I skipped that one. Let, let's go back and cover that one. No, there was another one where it was talking about different navies. Uh, this one from AsiaOne.com. And I guess there must be a little bit of a confidence issue with dive boats out there because they've come out with a mark of trust for dive boats or, or dive operators. They said a new voluntary program to get recreational scuba diving operators to meet a set of industry standards will be launched in April. It's going to be administered by the Singapore Underwater Federation. It will give customers greater assurance in their choice of operators from which to learn the activity or sign up for scuba diving trips. A dive safer website will be created which will list accredited operators and diving professionals such as instructors, provide a feedback channel to customers who wish to report errant practices. It will be the first standardized safety guidelines for recreational diving in the Singapore area. Requirements for the dive safer certification are based on guidelines. Guidelines define the roles and responsibilities of participants involved in recreational diving activities, include safety requirements to be undertaken for specific diving activities, the minimum standards that one dop that dive operator should adhere to, as well as best practices for dive masters and instructors. They said while recreational diving incidents have been few and far between, they can be prevented with better understanding recreational dive safety standards. It makes me wonder if they're teaching to programs such as PADI, Maui, you know, the YMCA that already has standards of operation. I know the uh, Europeans have quite a few that are very strict. So I'm wondering, do they not teach those in Asia, which is, I believe, where this is coming from? Yeah. Well, the thing with Singapore is that's actually normally a fairly organized country. In fact, if anything, they're they're overly strict. So I just think that it, that scuba diving there is getting to be popular, and they want to regulate it. Well, I looked under the aspect of highlights of the new guidelines, and this sounds like a no-brainer. It says uh, scuba divers, dive masters, instructors, and service providers will adhere to their roles and responsibilities when it comes to diving safely. Well, I hope to hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So that's why I'm curious. What, is it, what are they teaching to? And they gave an example. If a diving accident occurs, dive operators have to make a police report, as well as inform the Singapore Underwater Federation within 24 hours. Oh, I lost two divers. I left. I realized I lost them, but I went back and I can't find them, uh, which has happened over there several times. And they also suggest divers with medical issues, such as respiratory disease, should be certified to, to scuba dive by a doctor trained in diving medicine. And this is the one you're going to like. Those age 45 and above should seek medical consultation prior to diving. Well, I've, I've got a few. Every guy? <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't say that. But knowing I, I did seek medical consultation prior to diving, and I had a physical, and the doctor signed off on it before I got my first C card. What well, like do I need? Like, it's like if they go and dive three or four times a year overseas, you know, down into the Caribbean or something. Uh-huh. You know, they were qualified and medically qualified a long time ago, maybe. Yeah. But anyway, age 45 and above, I thought that was sort of cute. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think, uh, Jim, you, you were saying that you, before you had your seat card, you had a physical? Yes. And, and is that the only physical you've ever had? Well, it's the only one I've ever had related to diving. Oh, and, and, and how many years ago was that? Years or decades. <laughs> when I got my first seat card, I had a doctor's statement that had to be signed by my doctor. Yeah, I think I, well, yeah, I think I did too. I'm trying to remember. It was, it was a CYA. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you got asthma or something and I'm teaching you, I'd like to know that. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not sure you know, if these regulations are an outgrowth of something or just, I mean, like I said earlier, Singapore's got tons of laws. Singapore's, you know, in that area, in Hong Kong, the British influence is there. So I'd be surprised if they don't have the British dive organizations, which are very good. Yeah. Next up is a director gets help. From Newman's own, an Albuquerque-based filmmaker has worked with Unser and Cody Unser First Step Foundation to bring awareness about living with paralysis. The new film, Cody, The First Step, which aired in 2008, was able to tell Unser's story to a nation audience, including uh, a then-college senior adapted to living with a disability. Oh, what the heck here? If you're like me, the rest of the page is blank or yeah. changed yeah, forget that. I'm I'm going on. I'm not I'm not answering their damn questionnaire. Screw them. I'm 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 fit to be tied. I'm just tired of all this bullshit. <laughs> In fact, I'm even taking them out of the show notes. Back. Oh, yeah, I'll gone. show them. Gone. Gone. Like it never happened. We'll edit that one out. <laughs> uh, I just remembered I haven't been I've, I've been ignoring the chat room. I got so worked up from the pre-show. I haven't even been. Paste and stuff I got you covered. You got it covered? I got you covered. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I'm not putting the show notes in, but I'm just making sure we got the comments appropriate to uh, yeah. the show. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I haven't been putting the show notes in them. They, they haven't been getting their bonus, but they've got a great conversation going in there. This one's out Dave of the UK. What's that, Jim? I was going to say Dave always keeps us off topic. <laughs> yeah. I think they're having a, co- a conversation despite the show. This one's out of the UK. Uh, the staff at the London Aquarium is donning scuba gear and sponges to clean tanks. And they, they actually, thats uh, we should have done this one as the uh, photos of the week. So the photo was pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, so the, 
Yeah, actually, that's what we'll do. I'll move that one down the photo section. For those who have been anxiously awaiting for show notes, I'd like to thank Tweetin, who uh, he went through and did, gosh, it had to have been about 10, multi, multiple weeks. I think we hadn't done one since about Thanksgiving in the U.S. and in November. So he got all the show notes all up to date. So uh, special thanks go out to him. So this will be in there. We'll have this one in the photo section. But they have some nice photos. I love the the stingray on the glass next to the guy cleaning. And then the sea turtle coming in for a, a scrub down. And just looking through there, they said the aquarium opened in 1997 in the former home of the Greater London Council on the South Bank. What's it, what is that? Greater London Council on the South Bank. Is that bureaucracy of bureaucracy for bureaucracy? Is that what that was supposed to be? Greater, Greater London Council on the South Bank. It's like a name that uh, I mean. I guess I have to. Look I guess up. it's the you know the South Bank chapter of the Greater London Council. <laughs> yeah. Or the yeah. Greater London chapter of the South Bank Council. It could be. Then in uh, 2008, they uh, the family attraction was purchased by Merlin Entertainments, who spent millions of pounds of, uh, developing it. The new additions were Sea Life Center, including an underwater tunnel, a shark walk and a Pacific Ocean tank. I wonder what the tunnel is. Oh, that's the tunnel. <laughs> I, I asked him, you, you scroll down. That's kind of cool. I think I've seen a lot of photos of that. Big turtles. Yeah, cool. So some, some excellent photos in there. Worth a peek. And then the elusive giant squid has been filmed. That's an ugly thing. That is not exactly the most photogenic or... It looks like something from Aliens. The Arctic swimming at 2,000 feet. Yes, 2,066 feet. A little dark in the background, you think? Yeah, <laughs> almost a half a mile down. So they were they were moving around in the. Uh, it was a Japanese scientist wearing a research submarine. They had put in 400 hours and 100 missions. And they located the monster 9.3 or 15 kilometers east of. Uh, Chichi Island, a small archipelago, 150 miles or 241 kilometers north of Iwo Jima. They were able to find uh, giant calamari in the past, but it was not Arthatusis. Or I said it earlier. Arthatusis. What was that? It's, <laughs> uh, tukus. I, in a, it's a pain in the tukus, I tell you that. Okay, I can understand that. Arthatusis. Arthatusis. You got your tongue wrapped around your eye tooth and you can't see what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> a picture of the comparison of proximate scale to the sub? Yes. That's pretty freaking awesome. And uh, if you notice, they mentioned that it was missing the two long tentacles, and they're not sure why. Yeah, probably got tangled with something as big or bigger. Yeah. You know, this is one of the subs we were talking about several months ago, you know. Well, this is a Japanese one. and Well, remember we were talking about the different submersibles uh-huh. and how the one guy went down to the deepest spot again, and then they compared it with all the other countries that were getting into the deep submergence, mm-hmm. and we had talked about this one. Yeah. So this one is a 31-foot-long man research sub. Yeah. Man, if we had that Lake Michigan, man, we could cover everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'd, that'd be cool. They've had some 
pretty hefty submersibles in Lake Michigan, but they don't stay long. Nobody's really interested. But yeah, we could cover the whole lake. Yeah, I think Alvin was here many years ago. We've had the Cousteau one that was here. Yeah, I think the two well-known ones. Yeah, well, and those are the ones that were publicized. So yeah, uh, but I, I would get in that one. I'd get in that one and go through Lake Michigan. Yeah, you could you could make me do that. Yeah, that one that one wouldn't be too much. It's when you guys start talking about the propane tanks, I'm that's a little too small for me. And I'm not claustrophobic, but I also don't have any desire to be cramped up with potential Charlie horses in a something that small. The scale of Arthetusis is uh, just amazing. Yes. You look at that, they, they show at the bottom a graphic the size of a human, the size of a giant squid, the size of a sperm whale, and then the giant squid. And I didn't realize it was that much bigger than a sperm whale. Because hmm. a sperm whale is 18 meters, or uh, let's see, what does that make that out to be? About 50 some feet. Yeah. So about the length of my house. And that squid is just gigantic. What what they don't know about the squid is they haven't really been able to get a chance to see it in its natural environment. Now that they've been able to find one, they need to see if they can figure out uh, what its habits are. So they filmed the video in high definition and it will be on the Discovery Channel. It's going to be on Japanese television at the end of the month and then Discovery, I believe, in February. So very cool. And then back to the other side of the world, to the U.K. Again, East Lancaster scuba team has found wreckage from a wartime crash. A group of scuba divers began investigating the life of an airman killed in a Second World War plane crash after discovering part of the wreckage. Royal Navy Volunteer Reserve Midshipman uh, Gordon Fell uh, was on the aircraft when it crashed during a nav- navigation exercise. He was killed instantly along with fellow crew members. On January 16, 1945, remains of this aircraft were scattered among the slope uh, that it crashed into, and then it fell into the water below. Divers from uh, the British Subaquatic Club were trying to find more out. They said it has become an obsession. The club we were diving with uh, in wastewater earlier this year and came across the engine block, only about six meters of water. We also believe the tail section's in one piece and is also in uh, wastewater, although we have yet to locate it. That's wastewater. I'm saying wastewater. It's wastewater. What's that link? That's the picture of the engine. Oh, they got a photo of the engine. Excellent. We endeavor to persevere. Chief Dan George. Looks like a similar article, but if you go down and scroll to the bottom, you'll see a picture because I always like to see what they found. Ah. Well, what's good to see photos like that is so if we ever come across anything like that, we have some idea what it is. Yeah, big piece of metal junk. I yeah, I wouldn't think of that. That that would not be my first guess that that's uh, an engine block. If you looked at the front, you'd realize that's a rotary, a radial. Well, uh, have, have you dove on the Verano? About a bazillion years ago. Oh, okay. Because the Verano's another one. But that that one, you can kind of get an idea that it's an engine. But it's it's it, would, it has a similar appearance and mass. Some excellent photos. They said apparently you can still find small pieces of aluminum and other degree, debris from the crash. Mm-hmm. That means there's more out there. You just got to look for it a little harder. Yeah. Well, now that they found it and they know where it's at. Yes. Wonder why you can't have access to it by a boat in a different way. 
you know, they talked about access was difficult. Uh huh. So I'm just wondering, to take a boat, is it difficult? I don't know. I don't know if it's that it's difficult with a boat or if it's like where they got the photo. Is that the body of water they're swimming in? Yeah, they're only talking six meters. Yeah, so fairly shallow. So very cool. I mean, we're we're looking for shipwrecks and to be divers in that area. That's great. Okay, and you know, then find those around us. Oh yeah, well they're there. We keep looking out in Lake Michigan. We're going to be finding planes and boats. This is this has got to be the year. This has got to be the year where we find that stuff. I hope so. But speaking of finds, we have uh, a Roman shipwreck off Greek islands. Let me see. I'm going to try him. The picture Antikira, of uh, Yeah, that that mechanism. That, that is, is interesting. That is very interesting. Um, there's been a few shows in the last year on Discovery and some of those channels talking about it. And it's a machine. Uh, Jacques Cousteau uh, was on the wreck in uh, 1976 and led a dive expedition. Uh, sponge divers, from what I understand, had found this device. And at first they thought it was a fraud because they didn't believe at that point in time that anything that well made mechanically was possible. It took years to figure out what it was, and it ended up being a uh, device to predict the movements of the planets and stars. So they're back on the site again looking for objects. They said part of the challenge was that when Cousteau was there, they used to stage things, meaning for the cameras to be able to make it interesting. So they're not quite sure when they're, because they're using the old video footage, and they're not quite sure if they're in the right spots or not. Uh, they said it was spread over a huge area of about 197 feet, 60 meters long, at depths ranging from 114 feet to 197 feet, or 35 to 60 meters. He says it's large for an ancient shipwreck. They said the team may have been excavating 984 feet away from the site explored by Cousteau. If that's the case, they may have found a separate wreck, but part of the same original wreck that went down. Same fleet as the original wreck that went down. They said one reason for the researchers' uncertainty is the fact that they use Cousteau's uh, exploration videos to gauge where the anchor, where to anchor their boat. Since some of the shots of the video are almost certainly staged, the researchers can't be sure they weren't weren't diving on a site 100 miles away from the original. So they're they're actually hoping to find another device, is what they had said. I like the last statement because the site has been so intruded upon for more than a century. It really gets hard to distinguish what's myth and what's fact. So it's not a new wreck, that's for sure. It's been intruded upon for a century. No, yeah, they. Uh, well, the they it was known locally, if I remember correct. So, you know, Cousteau did his research in '76. So if it's been known since the early 1900s, then who knows what's been picked off it? Yeah. Well, you figure 114 to 100, well, 200 feet. You're not spending a lot of time down there. No. And looking at some of the artifacts at the bottom, we would constitute that as a rubble wreck, and most people would not even take the time to go eyeball it. Correct. Just going through some of the photos on that. So very cool. And speaking of cool, here's here's one. Some potentially cool scuba gear. This was a Kickstarter project, similar to one that we covered a few weeks ago, but by a different company. This is a Bluetooth wireless 
scuba diving logger. Right now, they've got 105 backers. They're at just past half their goal with 23 days to go. It's the Blue Buddy, and uh, the idea behind it is that you would clip it on your, your gear, it would log your dive, and then wirelessly to your smartphone, you'd be able to get your dive profile. It's using a Bluetooth 4, so they, they said that currently it's not supported on Android because uh, Google doesn't have a development kit for it, but it will be on the iPhone because iPhone 4S and 5s do support it, and also on new Windows phone. So they've got two models. They've got a recreational, which goes down to, let's see, how many feet do they say? 40 meters or 140 feet, and they have a technical version, which does 130 meters or 400 feet. I made a plug for the tech version. Oh, did you? Yep. After seeing it, I decided I was going to go ahead and make the pledge and see if I can help him in his goal. Excellent. I believe it's someone who's been in the forum before. Uh, no, this is a different one. Uh, the, we have had somebody in the forum who did one, and that was the, I think they called that the Dive Duino. But this is the same idea, or, or and it's probably using similar technology. But this, but this one is uh, pretty cool. They've they've already done some of the initial prototyping and tooling. So let's see. They've got different pledges. If you want one, you can get one uh, starting at one hundred nine dollars, and there's still plenty or, left. Or it's, for another thirty bucks, you can get a tech level that'll take you on the four hundred feet. Mm-hmm. I like the wireless approach. I've been wondering who's going to do this, and it's just a matter of time before people start doing this with cameras. Well, you'll have a, the same connection with a camera, and you only have to, uh, an underwater camera. You only have to open a case. Now, they've got a couple like that I've seen commercials for, but obviously not on a camera case yet for underwater work. Right. Yeah, because my, my thought is when you look at the underwater cameras, your biggest risk is opening and closing the case to deal with a camera, if you can leave the camera in a sealed case and do some sort of charging, magnetic charging inductance, then you eliminate that potential failure point or reduce the likelihood. Now this one, Jim, are you concerned with this not having a a rechangeable battery? Not at this point. So it's almost disposable? It would be nice. It would be nice, but, you know, I figured... When the battery dies, I'll cut it open and put a new battery in it and put it in a different case. Ah, that makes sense. It's almost kind of like a remanufacture. You kind of got it. Yeah, the technical one looks really good. They said uh, if you look in some of the wrists, they were talking about the difference between the technical and the regular. So excellent. Very cool. I think this is just a trend. You're going to see more of these types of devices. Okay, well, I think that does it for Scuba in the News. And this is the time of the show we get to talk about last week's dives, other than uh, <laughs> I didn't get in the water. Did you, uh, Don? Nope, not last week. I, to the point, though, I've got to have two people who are diving. I just get that suit up in the back without two people. Oh, okay, that's true. And uh, how about you, Jim? You you were in Florida. Did you happen to sneak one in? Oh, I really wanted to, but I was so busy helping my dad get settled in, I did not get the opportunity. Uh, unfortunate. I took the dive gear down, turned it around, and brought it back. Uh, you got some miles on it then. Yep. 
so none of us, boy, we got that skunked week. It's been a while since all all of us have been skunked all at the same time. Well, I did get out and do a little bit of surveillance. Uh-huh. And uh, you got ice on Little Paw Paw, maybe half of it, but I think with this weekend at 50 degrees, it's going to go away. Uh, right. You only have ice in the channels around the islands in Big Paw Paw, and you didn't have a lot of ice on the, on the big lakes, meaning the Chester uh, Lakes and uh, Indian. Well, I actually sort of went, surprising. I actually did some scouting at Singer, just seeing if they had any ice, and I was surprised that there was almost none. Yeah. I was expecting to see Singer because we had that uh, 20 degrees day and night for two or three days. I thought we'd have been building ice for sure, and it didn't seem to happen. Uh, we had about 20 feet for the uh, New Year's dive. Broke through that with hammers, sledgehammers. Well, I think there was actually even less ice than uh, what you discussed. Yeah. Could you tell people had been out there? No, it looked pretty open when I when I looked. I, I didn't actually drive all the way down. I just was on the road heading on my way to work. I can adjust my direction if need to be but i was i was hoping well it's supposed to be 54 on saturday so who wants to get wet well i will be in grand rapids so this weekend i count oh that's right yeah i'd like to but i'm having a feeling that i'm gonna be busy it looks like uh my son's got stuff both days and my wife's doing stuff so i'm gonna be running around not really doing anything that I necessarily want to do, but <laughs> stuff that I have to do. So, Well, we got the dive meeting next Tuesday, and maybe we can uh, see what the weather's going to be for the following weekend and get something together. I think yeah, we, we should. I think we should. We definitely need to. I need to get my January dive in. I'm getting kind of nervous. Normally, I've got it that first weekend, and because I didn't do any diving, time's slipping away. hate to get stunk, skunked in the first month of the year. Oh... Gosh, boy, we, we, we ripped everything pretty quick this week. Uh, make sure you're getting over to uh, Access Scuba, www.accessscuba.com forward slash scuba obsessed. You can visit our new Facebook page over there. I believe it's getting ready to officially launch. I saw an announcement last night on there saying he's ready for the floodgates to open. So I'd say everything at this point has been early beta. I think now we're going into the final beta. Getting ready, going to have an iOS app that's going to be released here pretty soon. Also adding a gear log and a dive log, if that's something you want. If not, you don't feel obligated because there's more to the site than just that. There's pages, forums, and polls. And speaking of polls, we did get votes on the music, and there was one song that made it. So when you hear this, you know, the people in the chat room didn't hear the music, but we edit that in post-production. So... Tonight's the first show using the new music. Yep, so that will be in there. And then next week we'll have, I'm playing and doing some new bumpers. So I'll have new bumper music in there. Also make sure you visit our website, www.scubaobsessed.com, and take a look at the show notes <laughs> that are all up there. You can relive some moments, some, some good photos. And then, Mac, did you get any photos on the Mud Club site? I bet you did. Uh, I put a couple there. I may need you to take a look at the site because I'm having issues again trying to have access to move things around. I need to put the 2013 columns in so I can put stuff in the right place. Okay. Yeah, I can go uh, ahead. Newsletter should be out there. There should be pictures for 2013 of the uh, dive in Gull Lake. And there's a new itinerary, meaning not itinerary, but the diving for 2013. Gives the date for Our World in the Water, Diver Showcase, 
uh, Ghost Ships, uh, Gilboa's Meet and Greet, and a bunch of other stuff. So yep, that's on mudclub.scoopobsessed.com. And Our World Underwater is February 15th through the 17th in Rosemont, Illinois. The Great Lake Shipwreck Festival, which is in Ann Arbor, Michigan, is March 2nd. Scuba Fest in Columbus, Ohio is the 15th through 17th of March. And then Ghost Ship is April 15th through 16th in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And the big one is, and I think Jim will would have brought this up probably, which is your meeting on this coming week, right, for the uh, preserve? Uh, there's a New Michigan Underwater Preserve Committee, which is all 13 of the underwater preserves meeting together for the kind of the state level. And that is Sunday morning in Bay City. So I'm hoping I can twist somebody's arm and take a ride up with me. And actually, the meeting is Sunday afternoon. So we can go to Bay City Sunday morning and go to the meeting and find out what's happening with the legislative side of it and a statewide buoy permit. Ooh. See where they're going. So. And then uh, at the bottom there, it looked like there was, uh, we talked about it last week, which you missed, Jim, the two newspaper articles. Now, Mac, that one on the 25 years, which happened to be the first year that Jim was doing a New Year's dive, was that was that the year that your daughter went in the water and then swore never again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the article yeah, didn't quite say it the same way. <laughs> yeah, we froze, we froze her out. She, she says, I broke her thermostat on that dive. <laughs> she was 14. Yeah. If yeah, she's anything was, like my 14-year-old daughter, there's no meat on a 14-year-old. She did not have any meat on her bones. She was a very skinny kid. I'll say that. Yeah. And I had a semi-dry on her. Oh, a semi-dry. In the river. So we had current and limited viz. And ice. And some ice, floating ice. That was an interesting dive. Yeah. Now, did did you notice the 35-year, what they were talking about? They were they're talking about the blizzard of uh, seventy seven seventy eight. No, I were, did not. And they were wondering if because I think this was a year that was a uh, thirty five years ago was a year after that blizzard. Yeah. And they were wondering if that if we were going to have a winter like that again. I don't think so. I and we didn't. Yeah, I, I can remember that because as a kid, that seventy seven seventy eight was so awesome that we wanted every year to be that. <laughs> I don't think the parents enjoyed it as much as we did as kids. Not when they're trapped home alone. Yeah. God, that was, that was, we could do an episode just on that. So, excellent. So, uh, once again, I, I can't thank uh, Tweeting enough for doing the show notes. If you want to get involved and help out, just drop us a line at the show at Scuba Obsessed, and we'll get you involved. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter. Scuba Obsessed is the Twitter handle. Let's see. Do we have anything else that we've got to promote before we get going? I can't think of anything right now. Ooh, somebody just sent a note before we let me see who this is what this is mean spirited somebody in the chat room saying we're mean spirited what do we miss Jim are we missing anything in the chat room no I don't think so white star talking about white star in there somebody's talking about Cozumel dive in Alaska yeah yeah that yeah. Go from diving Alaska to diving Cozumel. I mean, you know, it's all in the chat room. Yeah. Who said we're mean-spirited? Surely it can't be us. I don't know. I don't know. I guess we're just mean-spirited. This is how we roll. 
Roll uh, Tide. Yeah, I was just wondering if maybe we missed something. So, I think that means that we we're to that point of the show where we just have to do that bad scuba joke. I wonder if that's kind of like when you put the hose on people to get them out of an event. You know, we just say the bad scuba joke and that clears the chat room. <laughs> I don't know, but I want to say a special welcome to Midge907 from Fairbanks, Alaska tonight. Well, thank you, Midge, for coming. Glad you could join us. And then also everybody else in the chat room did have a few show up throughout the show. Uh, We had Dave and Paul and Big Stig along with a few others. So once again, thanks for coming on. And I'm, I'm trying to delay, but I don't think I can do it any longer. I don't know if we can call this one a scuba joke or not. Does it have to do with sheep? Let's see. Let me see. No sheep. No sheep. Well, Dave's going to be disappointed, but go ahead. No no inflatable sheep. So, A woman has twins and gives them up for adoption. One of them goes to a family in Egypt and is named Amal. The other goes to a family in Spain and is named him Juan. Years later, Juan sends a picture of himself to his mom. Upon receiving the picture, she tells her husband that she wished she also had a picture of Amal. Her husband responds, but they're twins. If you've seen one, you've seen them all. Oh. We should have a classification. <laughs> you know, like droners or something. A warning system? We need we need somebody to come up with uh, different categories. Well, a ranking system. Ranking. <laughs> we could we could do that. What we really need to do. Somebody wants to volunteer. I've got a project for them. They go through and type up all these old scuba jokes. <laughs> it's one of the things on my list to do is edit those and put them all together. But well, until next time, go out there and get wet and stay safe. And remember, we might be mean, but we're harmless. Call recording has been completed.